Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Who is invading? Iowa? (laughs) Who's invading Nebraska? Pete Thamel. We have so many snitch lines right now, Dan. There's an NBA snitch line. There's a college snitch line. <laughs> and here's Dan. Uh, welcome to Pod Pat Forty. Still uh, parts unknown. Maybe he's looking for the Guntown Kangaroo. He, you know, if he was, he would be doing something. <laughs> He'd be doing something useful. I mean, that'd be. <laughs> I doubt it because he doesn't. He like goes fishing. I don't know what he's doing. I don't care. I haven't heard from Pat for a week. It's been quite nice. <laughs> Doesn't he respond that probably at a brewery? Text? Doesn't Pat like to go to breweries a lot? Like, isn't that his? Isn't that his bag? That every is. Man, he does like breweries. I think every he's in man Colorado. beer drinker, Pat Forty. He's got a lot. There are a lot of good breweries in Colorado. Yeah, that is a brewery place. Everywhere is a brewery place at this point, I think. But I think he's just fishing and drunk in Colorado. That's a good way to go. Kind of jealous. Yeah. All right. So we got plenty to discuss on whether there's going to be a season. We got all. I mean, there are details upon details here we're going to get to. But first, uh, look, if Ohio State and Michigan are pissing at each other, we're going to cover it. I mean, this is (laughs) this is right in our wheelhouse. I don't know if you heard, but they had a coach's uh, Zoom call with the Big Ten, which alone is (laughs) high comedy. Did Paul Christ wear the sweatshirt? Oh, you bet he did. (laughs) His background is a sweatshirt as well. Chris is wearing his sweatshirt. You don't have to ask whether Harbaugh is wearing pants because he's clearly got his khakis on. Real question is, did Harbaugh wear cleats? He's got, <laughs> he did for true, this call. He did for this call because he, he riled things up. So uh, as the story goes, according to Dave Biddle, who is at the 24-7 site for Ohio State, and they have this Zoom call, and Harbaugh gets on the call and shows a picture of Ohio State assistant Al Washington. Or is it a video or an assist or a picture? I don't know. I think it's a picture. But a picture at a surface of Al Washington, who used to work at Michigan and then took a job at Ohio State, which alone is, you know, treasonous stuff to some. Working out with uh hands-on practice with uh, some of the Ohio State players, which is against the Big Ten rules. Now, I'm sure this picture could be defended and this wasn't, I don't know. We're not getting into that. We're, details are not good here. We want to print the legend. We do not want to print the facts. So Harbaugh gets on and says, basically accused Ohio State of practicing illegal practice tactics and cheating. Straight up, cheating. Ryan Day will have none of it. And he shoots back at Harbaugh that He'll worry about his team. Harbaugh should worry about uh, his. And then there was a, a, a little bit of confusion when this next quote came, but apparently it did not come on the coach's call. After the call, Ryan Day told his team or members of his team or some members of the staff that the Big Ten better have a mercy rule because we're going to hang 100 on them, which, of course, now leaked out. Phenomenal. We got all sorts of stuff. <laughs> this is the classic situation of the Michigan Ohio State rivalry where we're at right now. Michigan may have caught Ohio State cheating. Michigan then snitches. I don't know, snitch directly confronts, actually. I wouldn't call this a snitch line. 
It directly confronts Ohio State cheating. Ohio State doesn't deny the cheating. They just say, we're going to beat your ass even more. <laughs> just, just for bringing up the fact that we, we're cheating, we're going to beat your ass even more. Now, that's college football at its, and everyone's siding with Ryan Day. That's even the better. Everyone's like, ah, Harbaugh, you idiot. You're 0-5. Shut up, Harbaugh. This is the best part. Harbaugh does kind of the right thing. Hey, these guys are cheating. I will directly confront the head coach about this situation. No, but you do line. that on a Zoom call with the whole Big Ten. <laughs> like, like I mean, no. this is like, it's like an AAU bump, right? Like, you know, it's not like, it's not like you put a bag of money in like the defensive tackle from Bloomfield's, you know, whatever. It's, it's like, it like a, a technicality practice thing. It, it's, that's, that's like, that, the Big Ten call is not a snitching line. All right. Like they're trying to figure out how to play football in a Why pandemic. Not? Why not? I mean, for Harbaugh, this man is not known we have for his so tact. Many snitch lines right now, Dan. There's an NBA snitch line. There's a college snitch line. <laughs> like, like Carmelo Anthony was so mad he lost 30 pounds and started playing well again because everyone's snitching. All right, there's plenty of good snitching outlets. This is true, but I, I, yeah. I, I I'm not saying it's the you, best. Did look you did you jaywalk Harbaugh. when you went and got your McDonald's coffee this morning? Because that's basically like that would be like me getting on the Yahoo Writers call, be like, by the way. Dan Wetzel did not cross on a walk when he went this morning to get his to get his coffee. I just want everyone to know that does not <laughs> impact your thing. You can't be a little bit pregnant when it comes to ethics, Pete. Some of us are of the absolute <laughs> highest Wait a minute. ethical <laughs> standards like me and Jim Harbaugh we just can't tolerate you rule benders like Pete Thamel and Ryan Day. So we're going to call it out. You're the guy and who wrote we're going to get our ass kicked like, by a hundred. You're the guy who wrote a book about shady sneaker influence in college basketball. And now you're going pro snitch. I am. No, I'm not a favorite. This wasn't a snitch. This was a direct confrontation. I'm all for this. It would have been even better if he drove his ass down to Columbus and fought him right out in front of Woody <laughs> Hayes Hall or whatever that thing's called. Meet you in the That's parking what I lot want. in front of the Woody statue. Remember, uh, Urban Meyer was like banned the color blue from entering the the, the facility. Like, give me a break, right? Oh, I, I always just so, wanted Harbaugh to just drive down there, just just walk in, be like, "What are you going to yeah. do? Throw me out?" Like, just walk in. I have a, a a blue like fleece coat. It's like bright blue. I walked into you know it's like October seven years ago or whatever. I'm working at Sports Illustrated. I walk into the Woody Hayes. <laughs> like one of the ops guys grabs me and he's like. Go put that back in the car. So, like, all I had on was, like, a sweater, and it was, like, you know, 48 degrees, and I'm sitting at practice, like, shivering. Like, they took that blue thing seriously. Like, yeah, that, seriously. That's lame. The assistant totally coaches lame. said they would only wear black suits. Like, when they left there, they'd be like, I doubled the size of my wardrobe. Like, they took that blue thing, like, psychotically seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's lame. That was lame. That's a that's an Urban Meyer lame. I mean, I get it. It's fun, whatever. But, like, yeah. and it, you know. At some point, if you're going to invite a guest into your house, you don't sit there and demand the exact color that they wear. Yes. Uh, yeah. But it's good times. This is how yeah. serious Ohio State takes the Michigan rivalry. And here's the thing. We appreciate this because otherwise this isn't a rivalry. Yeah. This is a rivalry between the hammer and the nail. <laughs> and the nail is maize and blue. It is a maize and blue nail. And so at least we got this. We got a little salt in the salt in the water. Ryan Day says we're going to beat him by 100. Hope there's a mercy rule. There is no mercy rule, so bring it. That's what I'm saying. And the game could be October 24th. So it, this is a this quote that that emerged in the in the Dave Biddle article is is a really interesting window into into Ryan Day, Dan. You know, we're still at the point where we don't know like publicly a ton about him. He's sort of an understated guy. Like he's not a carnival barker. He's not a guy who likes to draw attention to himself. Like he certainly would not have volunteered this uh, th th this snippet. But like sort of beneath his exterior, Ryan Day is a competitor. And Ryan Day runs hot. And if you show up a coach in front of 12 other coaches on a call, like, it's very understandable why Ryan Day would be hot about this. Now, beating him by 100 actually isn't that, like, crazy of a notion because they've beaten him by 50 a couple times. Uh, didn't they hang 50 on the last two games in that rivalry off the top of my head, uh, Dan? I'll look it up. Uh, probably yeah. I was there for for Britain Ed almost yeah. every one, and I I just remember a steamroller just just overwhelming Michigan Stadium last year. So I don't know. Let me check. 
Yeah, the year before I was in Columbus and there was some like poor nickel corner that they ran these crossing routes on for Michigan. And he was a senior and he just wasn't very good. And, you know, the Ohio State offensive game plan. Yeah, I think 2016 was the last really close game yeah, the, that they've had. The JT Barrett game. Well, that's, yeah, where was the spot? Did he make it or not? That's that's yeah. all Michigan's yeah. got. We we got a bad call. Or we yeah. And everything would be different if we got you know, a better call. That's what the, that's the, that's the plea of, of Pat 40 and the Michigan fans. <laughs> yeah. Ohio state scored 62, 62, 39 back in, uh, 18. And then last year was 56, 27. They're averaging a hundred. You know, it's ambitious. It's ambitious. Yeah, sure. Sure. But you, you'd have you to dial go, it up. You'd have to go tempo. I believe they scored those on what was the number one ranked defense in the country both those years too, if not one, you know, top three or whatever it was. It was, you know, Don Brown does a great job, except when he doesn't have better athletes and can't be in man coverage and everything kind of, uh, everything sort of dissolves in front like it did there and like it did against Wisconsin early uh, early last season. God, it feels good to talk about football, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It really, really does. feels That's good That's why I, I had to lead like, with this. Yeah. No. Can, can Ohio State score 100 points on <laughs> Michigan <laughs> when they meet in October? And the game got moved up due to the pandemic. Yes. I, I hope I hope we find out. That's that's really all I want. I just yeah. I hope we find out. I've covered a bunch of those. Obviously, you've probably covered more over the years, Dan, living in Michigan. Yeah, that's just like weird, like really, 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 really weird. Like part of my Thanksgiving weekend is like getting on a plane on Saturday morning or on Friday night and like flying to either Detroit or uh, or Columbus. Like that's just, always at noon too. noon. Yeah, kick. no. Yeah, you got to either. Do it like used to be the Saturday before. Used yes. to be the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Then it got moved back as the season expanded. But I think since 1934, it's been played in November, uh, and it was the last game of the year. A couple times that Michigan had like played Hawaii after. Remember when they were trying to get mm -hmm. Hawaii games, and there was some like you could take an extra game if you'd visit Hawaii. So they kind of mm -hmm. would do that. Other than that, like two or three times, it's always been uh, last game of the year. It's at noon. And and what I love about that, and obviously there's a gazillion great traditions in college football in these games, but when you look back on the video, when they're showing highlights of old games, because it's at the same time and date every year, and the time I think is part of it, it the sky and, and the sky in the Midwest on November 27th is, I guarantee, cloudy. Yeah. Okay, The sun has never shined. <laughs> on the Ohio State Michigan game. So it's it's like the same light. And then occasionally there's a little snow or something. But you could watch like some of those great, even the old Bow and Woody game, or or when like Charles Woodson takes the thing back or 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 Desmond Howard takes the punt back or kickoff. I can't remember which one he did. Sorry, Desmond. Uh did the Heisman pose or any of the games, and it's almost like it's the exact same environment. As good as you're gonna get, because they always play noon. We're not moving this thing. We they refuse to move it tonight. They don't care. It's like this is it. Crops are in. Ohio State, Michigan <laughs> playing football. That's it. The slate sky. You know, like yeah. you can all, you can hear the voiceover every uh, every for every edition of uh, of of Ohio State and uh, in in Michigan. I think I read on Twitter yesterday. It's been it'll be twenty years since Michigan won in Ohio Stadium. So I mean that. The last Michigan win was the Luke Fickle season, if I'm correct, and this is this is all yeah. off the this is all off the top of my head. So that was that that was their last uh, their, their last straight up win, and then there was it was a couple seasons before. Was it 06? I I gotta we gotta I, gotta I got him in front of me. 06 okay, was the one two game where Bo Schembechler died yes. on the eve of the he, game. He died. It was a week, massive yeah. game. Right. If Pat was here, Pat used to write an article about the dead Schembechler's every year going into that game. Dead, like multiple, multiple had, they, websites. The dead Schembechler's <laughs> was a was a was a punk band or some kind of band in Columbus. They they dressed up like Woody Hayes in the white shirt and a ties, and they sang like songs like "Death to Michigan" and the guy like all these like. I don't know. There were just all these crazy songs, and they called themselves the Dead Schembechler. While Schembechler was alive, mind you, and I remember calling the guy once for a story, and he's like, "I'll talk to you because I don't believe you're part of the the main the like the mainstream Ann Arbor media or something like." He called it like there's a me. The word. it was the guy was great. So then. 
that one two game in 06 was just massive because it was like, here we go. Or they had the BCS then. So it was basically like a national semifinal. Uh, although Michigan claimed after they lost that they should go to the final title game anyway, but they did not. So it's this epic game, and there is a gazillion great players on the field. And this is back when Michigan still had a hint of, of you know, you thought Michigan could beat them. I just remember that week being absolutely huge. And then Friday night, it's like word breaks. Bo Schembechler dies. Or Friday afternoon, Friday morning, I think it was. He was taping a TV show, and he and he has a heart attack and dies. I'm like, could this game get any bigger? Yeah. Bo Schembechler dies. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. And then the dead Schembecklers had to come out and say, <laughs> I think they temporarily changed their name. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember. I think being uh, the if you're yeah. Bo Schembechler, there's no greater honor than a, a Columbus punk band that dresses up as four Woody Hayes's calling themselves the Dead Schembecklers. I think that's a <laughs> tremendous honor. Nothing to be mad about. I uh, I was working for the New York Times back in uh, 06 before that one two game, and I remember like it was a big enough deal where the New York Times put it on the front page. Like here's this game, and it was just how like dark it was. Like and you know a normal preview of a college football game doesn't exactly go to the front page of the entire New York Times. So it was just like a weird, surreal, uh, surreal moment in time. And obviously, Pat wrote about the dead Schembechler so much. He would put him in his column every year, you know, 40-yard dash every year before the Ohio State-Michigan game. I actually think he might be on vacation with members of the dead Schembecklers right now. Like, they could be at a brewery somewhere in, like, Breckenridge right now, drinking, like, double hoppy IPAs and, like, toasting. I mean, Pat's really, like, you know, their, like, version of, like, the Rolling Stone critic. Like, he wrote about him so I, much. I, so All right. I found my <laughs> old story on the dead Schembecklers. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are great. The dead Schembecklers had Bo Barfa. 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 That was the guy that was, who he always, was the lead. always quoted. Yeah. Yeah, he was the lead. So he had... Um, they had a Michigan anti-Michigan -ra rally in Columbus. They have hit songs, including Bomb Ann Arbor Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's hit songs. Yes. toppers. According to Bo. <laughs> according to Bo Barber. Schembechler kicked my crippled dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The Ann Arbor Chainsaw Massacre Christmas song. Which Bo, Bo Bar, Barfa, I'm going to say his name wrong, sorry. Barfa told me was our very first holiday tune, Buckeye Surfer Girl. There's a lot of surfing in central Ohio. Yeah. Punk version of We Don't Give a Damn for the Whole State of Michigan. And our biggest hit from this year was called Chad Henne is a Expletive Joke. <laughs> <laughs> So can you imagine sitting around and writing the lyrics to Chad Henney is an effing joke? Like, like, <laughs> I mean, this Ooh. is why this rivalry is great. There's a <laughs> punk band. They called themselves the best damn punk band in the land after the, after the marching band. So, all right. I don't know where I got these quotes. Maybe I, I think, I don't know whether I asked him myself or somebody else did. I apologize. This is in my column. Bo Schembechler himself. I think I asked him. Or maybe he had a press conference and I was, I don't, I don't remember. So I'm not trying to take credit, but here are the quotes. What does Bo Schembechler think of the dead Schembecklers? <laughs> I never heard, <laughs> I never heard of them until a couple weeks ago, Bo said. I was doing my television show and a guy down there at the studio asked me if I'd ever heard of the dead Schembecklers. I said, no, there's no such thing as that. <laughs> and they, <laughs> and they, <laughs> And they took me over to the computer and showed me where they did have a band. I don't know what their thinking is. <laughs> uh, that is one of the great scoldings an old man, an old, like, respected guy. Can, I do not know what your thinking is. Like, oh, that hurts. I like this, like, they took me over to the computer, this magical box where a picture appeared on the World Wide Web. Oh, my. <sighs> that story appears on November 15th. And again, I those quotes, I don't normally I would credit somebody else. So I, I either was there or I asked them myself. I don't remember. Two days later, Bo Schembechler dies. 
Wow. So we got we got the last. <laughs> if that was his um, last interview, Dan, you could have asked this legendary <laughs> football coach all these things, and you said you you get him on the phone and mock him for being associated with like a bad bar band. That'd be class. Absolutely, my journalistic career. You got the last interview with Bo Schembeck, or he didn't. His last interview was for the HBO special. I remember that. Okay. Um, he did an interview in in Michigan State. But yeah, what'd you ask him? Well, I asked him about these. Idiots with this supposed band. I just texted yeah, Pat would, that uh, we theorized he may be on vacation with members of the Dead Schembecklers because he wrote about him so much. He didn't deny yeah. it, and he said it would be fun. So I, I imagine he's you know drinking some like double hop, whatever you know, somewhere in Colorado right now, or, or yeah, fishing maybe with the Dead Schembecklers. So he'll uh, he'll love it. Yeah, thinking of some There's song so- like Mocking Shea Patterson. I'm sure like the next edition. So. Ann Arbor Christmas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, that's a good one. Uh, Bar- Biarfo there tells me, you are aware, sir. And he would. He would talk in this, like, crazy. He was in his, like, character. Now, these guys have side jobs. They're like insurance guys or whatever. But yeah. you are aware, sir, that Ohio State has never lost to Michigan. They are undefeated. We have played over 100 times, and we have never been defeated. Now, you may reread reports of Buckeye losses in the liberal Wolverine media. But the fact <laughs> is... <laughs> The Buckeyes have never been defeated by the Wolverines. You have to understand that for many years, the international Wolverine conspiracy, which is a power-mad cadre of University of Michigan grads, bent on worldwide domination using the Michigan football program as the tip of their foul spear. They do things like poison the water supply at the stadium, put mind-altering chemicals in it to make people believe the Wolverines won these games. So they issued a statement. I never thought we were getting into this. After Schembechler died, these poor guys. <laughs> uh, the band is crushed to learn the death of Bo Schembechler. We named this band after Coach Schembechler to honor him as the face of Wolverine football. Yeah, now they're trying to be nice. We never wished ill upon him in any way. And <laughs> you did say, call them the dead Schembecklers. Uh, and I've always wished him the best. When we learned Bo had seen our website and was amused by it, we were delighted. He said to those with him that he read it and said, see, I still matter in Columbus. That may have been the greatest understatement in football history. We believe that he took the band's name as a compliment that it was meant to be. And he was flattered by it. We wish to see it all ends up with a nice heart wrenching story here. We're all friends in the end. Maybe one day Ryan day and, and Jim Harbaugh will get together for a Breakfast at the Iron Skillet down in Toledo off the side of I-28 or I-280 or something. I don't know. It all work out in the end. When the Bosch, dead, dead Schembecklers can honor a dead Schembeckler, this is a good thing. That's <laughs> what we need in America. We are uh, completely off the rails right now. <laughs> Dan's rereading his own old columns <laughs> about Bosch. 14-year-old. 14-year-old <laughs> column. All right. Hey, look. All right. Let's get to the real stuff. Uh, how's the season going, Pete? <laughs> yeah, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> no, let it. Let us get to that. Uh, you know, everyone here. Uh, this is not the place for you snowflakes that only want to hear optimism. Optimism. Please bring us optimism. We are about realism here. And another week of uh, mixed bag. Let's let's let's. I'll be optimistic and say mixed bag. What uh, what are you hearing? I didn't hear a whole lot good. Although a lot of people put out some. Some uh, schedules. Yeah. Schedules are released. Yeah. Big Ten reads their schedule. They could start September 5th. That would yes. be awesome. Yes. I have never seen a schedule release less optimistic than the one the Big Ten released earlier this week. It was basically like, here's our schedule. And then in neon lights, it said, this may not happen. This may not happen. This may not happen. You know, I really think, Dan, like the conversation at the presidential level has started to shift in the past uh you know, let's just say week, week or so. And the drumbeat of I really think the key moment right now that presidents can't wrap their mind around is what happened to the young lineman at Indiana, Brady Feeney. He his mom put up a Facebook post in the uh, Facebook group dedicated to college players, parents, and it went viral. And it basically like illustrated that her son went through 14 days of hell from the virus and may have long-term heart problems. And it underscored like the unknown in all this. And the unknown in all this is obviously 
like nobody knows what the long-term effects are on the heart. Uh, a few people referenced the uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, the Red Sox pitcher, um, who shut down for this season and, and has some has some heart issues. And I really think that that element of not knowing what happens with the when the virus hits young people. Now, look, many many college athletes have gotten this and had no symptoms, limited symptoms, been fine, been back. That that has happened countless times throughout the country. But I just think the the, the specter of the unknown has the people above the coach level and above the AD level concerned. And combine that with the fact that there are at least off the top of my head, like if practice were to start on Friday or whenever the different leagues have it for their practice starts, there are at least seven off the top of my head schools that can't do that. Like in California, you can't gather with 50 or more people right now because of like state and, and it's different in different counties and different things. But like, you know, the frustration I'm hearing from coaches, you know, out West is like, we can't even practice. Like, how are we supposed to get our team in shape to have a safe season if we can't even practice? Um, you know, obviously Rutgers, Michigan State and Northwestern, um, we're shut down. Uh, Northwestern sounds like they could be back up and running um, in, in the next few in the next few days. But just there was just a lot of, you know, it's like the dam and the, like you got to you got to put put something in the health part of the dam and then you got to put something in the local restrictions part of the dam. And uh, obviously there's player movements that we talked about. There's just there is a, a, a drumbeat right now, a consistent, loud drumbeat. Of, of issues and it has risen to the presidential level and there are unwinding conversations going on right now. And I would, I would estimate within two weeks, we see the first power five conference pull the plug on the season. Uh, that is pretty much what I'm hearing. Also, um, you know, a lot of just, you know, the closer, closer we get, the more real the decision is and it's not on paper and you look at the plan and there really isn't much of a plan and there's no idea how to create a plan. Um, I agree that that Big Ten release was pretty funny. Like, here's our schedule. That's like me telling my wife, here's all the things I'm going to do around the house this weekend. And um, <laughs> uh, so I have a tea time set up and I don't, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely no shot. That is a house phone. Dan, what's well, that? Well, well, I got. We have kids, so <laughs> our youngest just got a cell phone. Just got a cell phone, so kind of need a phone. You need a phone. Is that how she does TikTok? When are you going to be on a TikTok video, Dan? That's what. That's what they tried. Trump's trying to kill TikTok. The the thirteen year olds of America, if they could vote, Trump would be forget it. White, <laughs> there'd be a tidal wave over him. These lucky kids can't vote. It was an outrage. Outrage in the TikTok community, which I consider myself a member. Um, by, by proxy, I want some dancing, Dan. No, nah, nah, if I Jeff Bowles can TikToks. do TikToks, you can. Jeff Bowles, he's Bowles. done TikToks. I he's, see them. I see him on Twitter. Jeff I, Bowles I, is doing TikToks. Bowles is smooth, man. Ohio basketball coach Jeff uh, Bowles he's is no a smoother than cat, you, man. man. Yeah, he's no he smoother. Oh, he is. He's so much cooler than me. I'm just <laughs> lucky to be his friend. Um, yeah, very smooth. He does do TikToks. He does everything. He was on TMZ for dancing in the locker room. He made it TMZ. I was like, that's a tremendous accomplishment after a victory. Um, I think people just love watching Jeff Bowles do anything. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know where we were, but, um, me not doing whatever I'm supposed to do, um, on the list, much like, uh, the big 10 is not going to stage that Iowa, um, Purdue game, but we'll see. Um, the the big the the California deal is a big thing. Like unless those restrictions are up, how do those four how do any of those schools in the state? But let's talk about the four pack twelves. Like we got the pack eight, right? Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> what <laughs> what, do we, well, what do we got here? Yeah, and and think about the power structure of the Pac-12. It's an interesting moment, the Pac-12, and because of the player movement, and everything. I've been on the phone with people out there for a while. Like the Pac-12 doesn't have like an alpha AD right now. Um, the closest thing, closest thing to it is probably Rick George at Colorado, but he's certainly not like of the gravitas of some of those folks. You have, you have ADs at USC and UCLA who are, you know, within the first new, you know, yeah, they're both like almost within the pandemic. And they're the although, ones. Yeah. You have to have some power behind your school. 
Like you yes. can't just well, be Colorado and say, yeah, it's Michigan and Ohio State are going to have some. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, or could, right. Yeah. You could be Barry Alvarez and have some power in the Big Ten, but you have yeah. better have won some games or been around a long time. Yeah. So go ahead. And, and I really think that USC and UCLA issued a joint statement um, about a week ago. And now those those are that's a little bit like cats and dogs getting along, right? Like USC and UCLA don't usually like lockstep and do that. And I think that point was to send a little bit of message to the to the people who who were like bullish to to play and practice and push forward while they can't to be like, hey, now, like the way I read it was it was it was just typical administrative word gumbo statement. But it was like, hey, now. Like, let's not forget who has the juice in this league still. If those two can't play, the Pac-12 is not going to have a season. Like, it's just, if those two, say it takes another month, and California is still a mess, and USC just went online only on uh, Thursday night. No, Wednesday night. Wednesday night they went online only. All the signs there, Stanford can't practice, Cal's, Cal's still gummed up. You can't gather more than 50 people. So, if again, I, I'm not fatalist enough to think that's going to last for three months. But at a certain point, you need to get your team on the field and you need to practice. You need to get into shape. You know, the coaches I talk to, generally, I would say, like, they say 60% of their team is in, like, reasonable shape. Now, that's just, like, reasonable aerobic shape, reasonable physical shape. Football shape is, like, a whole different thing. But what people are running into is if you don't have camp, like, you need training camp to get ready to play football. You need to hit. You need to do, you know, you need to do football things. And there's there's very limited ways to do that right now. Right. And you need a month of it. I mean, what's what's the safe thing? So if they're not going by, you know, the week of of August 17th, that week, you know, then how, how does this happen? Now, again, could the could that ruling change? Could an exemption be made? Yeah, it's possible. But yeah, you have to you see in the return of the of the N- NBA and the NHL, maybe not so much baseball because there's a whole lot of running in baseball, but the guys are not in like the, you, you, you've slowly seen them get better. You see guys at the in basketball exhausted yes. that these NBA basketball players are as as fine of athletes as you can get. And the hockey guys are just aerobic. Out, like just outrageous, Crazy. you know what they do. But you have seen, if you're watching any of the hockey at the end of shifts, there's guys just dragging, and these are like 12 year pros, and you know guys that you just never see the lack of intensity at the end of a shift, and they're getting better. But there's a difference between good aerobic shape and game shape. And then with problem with football is the technical. I mean, you have to run all these plays. You'd have to know where to move, how to, you know, two steps this way. Here's the handoff, all those things. Basketball, you can kind of just go out and play um, and and figure it out a little bit. Now, it's extremely complicated, the NBA offenses, but it's not as complicated as if I'm if I if my handoff is six inches not where it's supposed to be. It's a fumble. So, yeah, it's something that changed in California. Like timing. I I don't watch a ton of hockey. Timing Timing is like a lot of hockey, right? Like, oh yeah, you, it's you, been a problem. That yeah. and and the sure, the, the of course, hands it's going to be a same. problem. Yeah, yeah. It's some of the early NBA games I watched, Dan. Like, there were you know, like that, there's rhythm, there's timing, there's different things. And obviously, in football, if you have you know, it's an orchestra of eleven guys, and it's a violent game. There's people getting pushed off. Like, time, yeah, like it's if we do have football this fall, it's going to kind of be a mess. You know, like it's just special teams are going to be terrible. Like special teams, a ton of timing, right? snap, hold, kick, all that stuff. Like you are just not going to have to the time to fully practice these things. Yeah, they, you made a great point. Like there's a difference between great aerobic shape and game shape. And camp gets you to game shape. But if you aren't in decent aerobic shape or you're just okay, and look, these college athletes are great athletes. They're elite competitors. A lot of them have figured out ways and been creative and the strength coach given programs to do it. But you can't reasonably think that you know, more than 70% of these guys are like ready to start camp in the way they normally would if they have summer lifting session one and summer lifting session two and they're there and they're, you know, accountable 6 a.m., you know, like diet. Like there's all these factors that that, that go into it. Back to the Pac-12, I, I think, and, and we can chat this now, Dan, I think like that, you know, talking to ADs Thursday morning, Wednesday, it's like who goes first? Like what league is the first to uh, you know to to just kind of ba- to bow out of this? What what do you think, Dan? Well, I think the Pac-12 is certainly would be my guess because simply because of that California thing. I mean, if you if you lose yeah. one third of your league, you know how 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 is this working? 
And that at some point in the next couple of weeks, that has to change or else you're not going to be able to, again, you can't start the season. So yeah. you need a month. I think you need at least a month of camp or else you're adding a different level of danger to the football players. Like COVID is one thing, yeah. but, you know, torn ACLs and, uh, you know, that's not fun either yeah. uh, at all. And so it would be, you know, it'd be really wrong to send send the guys out to play and just say, well, all right, now on September 1st, you can do it. All right, we got a game on the 12th. That, that's not right. So I think it's the Pac-12. But, you know, it hasn't happened yet. I think the Big Ten's probably the next. And then I think the other three are looking and saying, I, I, I think the question then, I also, you know, we did get this story from John Wilner out the Mercury News about the the Pac-12 setting up this system of a loan. They, they've kind of pooled their their resources and and, a, and established like a group line of, of credit or a, a loan system based off the media rights of the Pac-12, which are over a billion dollars. And so team schools could borrow up to $83 million on a 10-year loan at three 3.75. Now that this is to, to take 83 million, you'd have to pay back 10 million a year. So it, it's a heck of a bite, but you would be able to stay afloat. That that's not a mortgage payment. I want to knock out every month. I'll tell you that, but uh, I'm also not Stanford. Okay. But they have this thing set up. And to me, I wrote about it yesterday. I don't know whether they use it. Supposedly some of the schools won't use it at all, particularly Stanford, USC, some of the richer ones. Some may only borrow 20 million, some, you know, whatever that number is, it's not going to be 83 for all the schools and it's not going to be a billion dollars overall. But the fact they have the off ramp right there, because one of the concerns is, well, if you, if you don't play football, I got to shut down half the, you know, we're, we're our operations over here. I had an AD tell me, look, everybody's figure trying to figure out lines of credit. And how do we get this? The Pac-12's idea was pretty smart because they probably got a better rate than anybody else could get. Um, and so if the Pac-12 is can get 10 years at 3.75, what could the Big Ten get? What could what could the SEC, which is going to be, uh, you know, Pac-12 is already in, in financial yeah, this is wobbly already. They need they need loans if things were going well. Um, you know, Arizona State takes a ton of money from the school, I think, and cows run deficits and all that. But the fact they got an off ramp and the fact there's sort of this deadline coming, uh, I I'd say the Pac-12. Do you have a different pick? And then I'll ask you a different question off of that. I think the Pac-12 is probably philosophically most ready to go. They had uh, like a bit of an impromptu president's meeting earlier this week where, you know, that that was certainly, you know, broached in a way. I also think the Pac-12 is paranoid about its perception problem. You know, like they don't want fine bomb cars. Well, they don't care about football out there. And I think, too, there's uh, there there's obviously like a, you know, you, you don't want you don't want to go too early and then have like really good players try to transfer to the Big 12 because they think the Big 12 is going to play. So I wouldn't be surprised if within the next two weeks, the Pac-12 and the Big 10 both kind of like hold hands and jump off the bridge together in some way. Now, it won't be like they're not going to issue a joint thing. But like I do think that those would be the first two leagues to go. And then it becomes a matter of like how it how it unfolds. I think the the Big 10 is is secure enough in itself where it if if it arrives at that decision at the presidential level that yeah so i would i would guess the big 10 but i would think much like look when when the big 10 went conference only the pac 12 followed them like 30 seconds later right like they were like oh us too and so i really think there will be some sort of uh kineticism between those two and then it gets interesting dan to where the other leagues go from there. Like, can you, if you're the big 12, is this, yeah, this is what I want to know. It, will this be a domino? Will this be the dom? I had an, a, had an AD uh, tell me in the SEC, say he thinks it'll be a domino. Once one goes, they'll all go. I don't know. I, You and I have seemed to think the big 12 at least would be like, no. There's certainly a belief that the SEC is going to be like, hell no. But I don't know. What do you think? Will it? Would you think there'll be a domino thing and they all go down, or do you think it's? Hey, yeah, we'll- it, it, it'd be it'd be interesting. I do think like it's hard to imagine 
three leagues playing and two leagues not playing, right? It's also hard to imagine everyone agreeing to not play because there's been no, there's been nothing coherent about how this whole thing is operated. It has been like a parody of cohesion, right? Like you, you couldn't make up even from the way basketball ended in March and, and the way this is all, you know, seemingly unfolding right now, you couldn't make up just a more muddled mess. And so, yeah, the, the, the timing of it all, like everybody's on their porch with binoculars, like looking at everyone else on their porch right now and, uh, and, and seeing what they're doing. Yeah, it would be it would be fascinating if, you know, in, in leagues may wait a couple of days just to show like we care more. You know what I mean? There is some of that undercurrent here is, is sort of ridiculous as that sounds like there is there is like a little bit of that we were the last ones we wanted to play more than anyone else the other outlier here dan is like what happens if nebraska wants to play an independent schedule you know what i mean like will these leagues let schools independently go rogue i saw some of mark emmert's column you know as the ncaa was like passing the buck kicking the can you know just like totally advocating any responsibility like he said it's going to be up to the individual schools so what if nebraska wants to play north dakota state south dakota byu like can they play an independent schedule? I mean, their AD was on the record in the last two weeks saying he thought they could fill the stadium. Yeah, so let's take Nebraska as that example. Fascinating, okay? Let's say yeah. the Big Ten shuts down. This is all hypothetical. Again, yeah. I'm sorry. This isn't optimistic enough for some of you. Um, but this is what we're talking to people all day. This is what you hear. Not They may not be able to say it publicly, but we've said that from the start. I remember the day the basketball tournament got shut down, I had a major football AD go, I'm worried about football. And I was like, really? It's like, Months off, he's like, not that long off. And here we are. But let's say in Nebraska, where the virus isn't a big deal. And look, some of these schools have like zero cases. You know, yeah. like we tested 400 athletes. We got zero. We got one. There's one kid uh, who was on the cross country team. And, you know, you sit there and say, look, it's not that big of a thing in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're not. I don't know what their numbers are. They may be bad, maybe good. So I apologize if I get it wrong. And you say, all right. Big Ten now won't play. Look, the, the American, the AAC, has basically said, schedule, we're going to play eight conference games as scheduled, and any of you guys want to play four more, go ahead. It's up to you, up to the individual school. So the AAC is flat out like, we're all, like, as of this moment, we're all in. Well, what if Nebraska says, we want to play? So let's, I'll, I'll play 11 AAC teams. Like, we'll just, let's go. Like, it's not that bad. Let's play Cincinnati. Let's play. Let's do it. I want to play. Or you're, as you said, North, you could put together pretty good. I mean, Boise's looking for games. You know, teams are looking for games. So you're Nebraska. Let's play. Would the Big Ten allow that? Would, would you get kicked out of the league? Do you get fined? Like, I'm sure this hasn't yeah. been written down because it's like, sure. in case of global pandemic, <laughs> you're not, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> although remember that, that contract that oh, Nebraska and Akron had? Oh, yes. I'll look yeah, that up. For the and Akron was, game. yeah, it was, yeah, they had everything but a thunderstorm. I'll look it up while you talk. But yeah. So yeah. could you, what do you think? In Nebraska, could, a, could a Nebraska or anyone else just say, screw it, we're playing? James Madison and Elon did this. Like they said, we're going to try to put together an independent schedule. And here's the difference, I think, in why Nebraska probably wouldn't be able to do this. James Madison is in the CAA and they get their their revenue deal is about what you and I spent on like coffee and tea this morning. Right. Like it's just not a lot of revenue. So I feel like James Madison did it almost as a marketing move. They've won national championships there. They want to be in Conference USA, the Sun Belt, whatever. So I think and they wanted students to come back to campus and hey, there's going to be a football season. Come back to campus. We want to play it. We care more like it was a, a micro version of what could happen at other schools. Um, the problem is. They get like a buck fifty from the CAA for like their you know streaming TV deal on Wayne's World Channel. Nebraska gets fifty million from Big Ten Network, Fox, ESPN, and everything like that. And I do not think Ohio State and Michigan would be happy if Nebraska is going rogue and like you know playing a bandit barnstorm schedule like that. Just that would not sit well. And when you have the lever of fifty million, I don't think you can do that, despite how much the Nebraska administration seems to be skeptical of the severity of the virus. I, I would agree that it probably, it would certainly be severely frowned upon and you do not want it. it you want to get Michigan and Ohio state to agree on one thing. It's let's, let's find a way to absolutely screw Nebraska for the next 50 years out of every single decision ever for doing this. So I, I don't think you could do it. It would be a risk. I get that the NCA can't doesn't first off, no one wants to tell army and Navy they can't play. Yeah. And Air Force, because they're going to play. Mm -hmm. uh, you you pointed out they want to play. And you had a great column on how Navy could be the national champ. 
every game gets canceled and you have this little three team round robin of the military academies and they played in the middle of World War twos that they were they were participating in. So if Army, Navy and Air Force want to play and someone ends up two and oh, hey, here you go. Right. Great, great. Yeah. Concept. It was a great column. Um, I don't think I don't think a Nebraska could do it. I don't think they would, but I think they think about it. And here, just to, I do have this contract. If you don't remember, back in 2018, Akron visited Nebraska and there was a lightning storm or something, yeah. and the game got canceled or postponed. And Nebraska said they didn't have to, and then they wanted to reschedule the next day, but Akron just got on their plane and left and then said, you owe us a million bucks or something. And it was great, you know, Akron shakedown, which if, <laughs> if you know anything about Akron, this was not the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Terry Bowden shakedown. was the coach, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terry Bowden was the coach. a few people down yeah. in his day now. You know? Every corner bar in Akron was like, yeah, that's how you do it. You just leave <laughs> and take your million, right? They had a contract, and these were this was the, the things. I was just wondering about this because uh, see if pandemic was on this. This agreement shall be void. And this was the funny part. They forgot to mention lightning storm, which happens almost every year. There's a game with a lightning storm. But whoever the Nebraska lawyer is came up with this list. This agreement should be void in the event it becomes impossible to play the game by reason of disaster, which I guess could be, you know, it's a loose term, fire, hurricane. They, hurricanes do not hit Nebraska. Tropical storm, also unlikely to hit Nebraska. Flood, earthquake, war. This is when it gets good. Act of terrorism, invasion. Remember this? Invasion. Who is invading? Iowa? <laughs> Who's invading Nebraska? Colorado from the West Flank. <laughs> Red Dawn. Red Dawn. That's all we got left is Nebraska. Listen, man, if the invasion has hit Nebraska, it's over. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's where they meet in the middle. Like, yeah. This isn't, meet, this isn't Washington, D.C. or New York. Like, if I'm invading America, I'm going after one of those two first. Okay. <laughs> Re uh, hostilities. That's just general. That's today. Every day is hostile. Yeah. Uh, rebellion. We don't know who the rebellion, who's leading the rebellion. <laughs> rebellion. Insurrection. In <laughs> Again, by who? Could you be more specific, Nebraska lawyers? Yeah. Confiscation like by order. going to happen or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a great one. Confiscation by order of government. So if the government takes over Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Uh, okay. Military public authority. Oh, God, I don't even want to know what that is. Or prohibitory or injunctive orders of any competent judicial or other governmental authority. All right. So this would be interesting on the pandemic. You could get out of the game by the government saying you can't play. Anyway, side note, uh, Akron ended up replaying the game or something. They got some money. They got a little something out of those. You know, the Akron guys are like these corn these dudes out in the cornfield are walking slow. We're going to take them. Uh, I can't remember how it ended. I don't think you can pull that off. But it would certainly be interesting to see someone try because there's an opportunity. There's still teams that want to play a full 12-game slate. There's some teams that want full stadiums. Penn State just announced they're not going to have a stadium. We also have, and this is the best joke, of course, that was tweeted to us many times, UConn canceled its season. Pour one out for UConn football 2020. Not happening. Uh, the big joke is, did uh, Coach Randy Etzel have a $2,000 bonus <laughs> if uh, UConn was first in canceling its season? Uh, or, or some, you know, it's quite possible. We led the country in canceling our season. I thought it would be worth too, too, too large, right? Anyway, that's where we're at with that. UMass is not. So I don't know if the, uh, this is a chance for New England United to occur. The UConn kids can just come on up. Right, meet Nagawan. Let's go. You, UMass will probably cancel too. I would get. I don't know. I don't know how these schools do it, but UConn loses a lot of money in football every year, right? So, like to me, this was a like really prudent financial decision. And I give Edsel credit. He's like gone on the offensive and been like, these players deserve more. Like he's sort of being like, the, I'm the pay the player guy. Our kids aren't going to be safe. He's trying to spin it like, you know, look at us. We're the we're the paragons of uh, health and safety. But I really think in the in the boardroom there, this is uh, this is this is really a uh, realistically, this is a financial move. They're just like, well, we'll go first. We'll save the money. We're good. No worries. 
And uh, yeah, I think that was like a, a in a time of very, very difficult decisions. I think that was an easy one. This is like um, when you're a parent and your kids, you're at some activity and your kids are acting up. And if you don't want to be at the activity, you go, you do it one more time, we're leaving and they do it and you're gone. That's it. Pack it up. Let's go. And you, you, you lay the hammer down because you're at, you know, some crappy event or something you don't want to be at. But then if you're like, you're at a restaurant or and you're, you're, you're somewhere where there's alcohol involved, basically, in my life, my, my <laughs> occasion. The kids can be swinging off the chandeliers. They can be like, whatever the hell is going on. No problem. Well, ne- do it one more time and we're going to have to leave. And there's, there are no rules. So it's all about your motivation as the disciplinarian. And yeah, I think UConn was like, yeah, we're good. We don't need, we don't really want to play football at all anymore. We just want to play yeah. basketball. So let's we have to pretend we want to play football. So there we are. They uh, they bail out. All right. Well, I have motivation to end this podcast. That's it. One more, uh, you know, bad joke out of me and I'm going to have to shut this podcast down. So there it is. Uh, <laughs> Pat will be back next week, right? We heard that, Pete. Um, if uh, if the dead Shambecklers let him off the fishing boat in Colorado, you know. All right. There it is. Yeah. Sure. I'm sure uh, they're, listen ha- to they're the shipping dead some easy IPAs right now. Uh you know, laughing at us suckers with our podcast equipment. So maybe Sully can take us out with some playing of a dead Schembechler song. Ooh. If we can find one. Let's, the let's, gauntlet let's is cue them thrown. Up. Yeah. Which which one do you want, Dan? Do you want the uh, bomb Ann Arbor? Or do you want the one that mocks <laughs> Chad Henney's limited ability to? <laughs> Let's uh, maybe I don't need a terrorist attack. Let's not okay. bomb Ann Arbor. Okay. <laughs> oh, we are going with Harbaugh to hell. Already a oh, Harbaugh to hell. Okay. Yeah. Let's play in that honor of, in honor of Ryan Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, let's it's it's going to be good. So please subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about it. Share us on social. We need we need listeners. Our audience keeps growing. Just the, the fewer games, the more people listen. <laughs> Uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Here are the dead Shem Becklers. The Big Tans, Big Loser. There's nobody that he can beat. <laughs> Khaki pleats, no shirt on. College game day retweets his man teats. The Big House, Portal Gate. To an eternal pit of flame That's where he's going We'll drag him down after the game We're taking Harbaugh to hell We're taking Harbaugh to hell We're taking I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.